virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a to return to action with Chelsea at home on Saturday we preview the big match we also look forward to Legia Warsaw in the Europa League and also how Leicester City women are getting on all this and much more on For Fox Sake Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake my name is Pete Selby and alongside me as per usual it's Rob Hayes Rob how are you up in the wider Sheffield area. I'm doing very well, thank you, Pete. I have survived back-to-back weekends on stag do's, and I believe that you have survived back-to-back jogs on the streets of Shepshed. So, you know, we're both both surviving during the international break. Yeah, barely. <laughs> barely. Um, but there we go. Yeah, it's... it's uh, international... I don't mind the international breaks because I enjoy where we are now the couple of days before the season kind of gets back underway I enjoyed that rather than say if it's just a normal game week yes you have that anticipation and excitement on the Thursday and Friday looking forward to the fixtures but when you haven't had that for a couple of weeks it kind of builds up a little bit and uh, it's the, the problem with the international period is is the times when there's no games and there's no games then for another say two weeks when 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 they're playing and I know England, the problem with England is because they were top of the group and it wasn't really, and there was no jeopardy in the games at all. And, and there were, there were, well, because there's no jeopardy, there's no real point really. But when you're top of the group, what are you going to do? But elsewhere, very entertaining. So there you go. It's what it is, is what it is. And um, whether it's come at a right time for Leicester, I'd imagine it probably has really with the news that Yuri Tillemans is going to be out until early December we knew that really from the Leeds game and gives a an extra chance for the players to get together etc and to try and you know try and essentially work on things and to try and improve the the, the current form and, and their levels I think levels is a a word I was using the other day when describing Leicester and why they haven't hit their straps this year or essentially why they haven't performed as they have been doing in the last couple of years and uh and I've I've used the analogy. This is this is what I've I've kind of come down on is that in the England squad, the headline really was the new players in there being Emil Smith Rowe and uh, Conor Gallagher because of their very good form for their clubs. And at Leicester, you've got Harvey Barnes and you've got James Madison, not in the England squad, and at the moment nowhere near it. And that's kind of what I've used to describe how Leicester are at the moment. They're, they're not at it. And if those players, important first-team players for Leicester, are not at it, they're not going to be anywhere near the England squad. So that's the kind of look I've had. We've got Chelsea in a few days. Uh, early kickoff on a Saturday. That worked well, didn't it, against Arsenal the first 20 minutes. Hopefully, to get out of bed this time rather than uh, that, quite frankly, pathetic first half an hour. Lots to discuss, though, Rob, because... So something that we've not really touched on on the podcast is is Brendan Rodgers. We've, we've mentioned in, in parts, haven't we, about that maybe in just a sentence or so saying, you know, the, the, there's talk among supporters, which of course there will be on every single subject. But 
uh, about how Brendan's doing this season, etc. And we've just kind of gone, look, you know, just shot it down in flames. There's no point, really. Everything's not fine, but um, there's no talk of anything to do with the manager. But there has been quite a lot of talk over the last few weeks. Could absolutely be nothing. You know, you've got one person saying he's been house hunting in Cheshire. you got... Uh, the sun printing something else and that it end of the day in a couple of days time they're going to be in the bin and and it, it could be a complete non-story and then in terms of betting markets um brendan rogers is now the favorite for uh for the manchester united job and he's what even money favorite now from personal experience in that sector it's the most volatile market in sport let alone football in sport it basically, if someone walks in and puts 20p on a manager, the price will just drop completely. It's the most vol- So being even money favourite means zilch. Absolute zilch. But it's, it's a, a way of newspapers to go, oh, he's the bookie's favourite, etc. But when that happens, trust me on this, it doesn't, don't believe it. Unless he goes 100, 100 to 1 on or 20 to 1 on, that's different. But at the moment, no. But he addressed it today in the conference, didn't he? He did, yeah, which was quite reassuring, actually, because it, we have discussed him, not not his future on this podcast. We're not uh, by any stretch that far in, I don't think. But we have, we've discussed his performances this season and, and his performance as the manager of Leicester City. And I think one thing that was bothering a few Leicester fans was that uh, most of the noise that was countering the rumours seemed to be believed. You know, most Leicester fans didn't necessarily believe that uh, Brendan Rodgers was... One foot in uh, the door at Old Trafford already, but I think they were a little bit um, uneasy about the fact that he hadn't actually said anything himself about it. Um, whether or not that's because he hasn't been asked a direct question about it, but he said that he's uh, privileged to be a Leic- the Leicester manager, fully committed. Uh, he said he can't comment on the speculation because it's not real. Um, we can't control the noise out round uh, around it. Um, and it's disrespectful to even ask the question when Solskjaer is still in charge of Manchester United. I think the the reason that it's come about is, and, and you know, these these things are always kind of concocted to sell stories, aren't they? And, and to gain clicks these days. But it is sacking season, isn't it, in the Premier League? If you look at how many managers have uh, uh, been have departed over the last what three or four weeks, it's it's quite. Uh, it's quite the the fashion at this stage of the season, isn't it? Get it done before Christmas if you're going to do it. If you're going to jump, jump early. Um, the international break, I think, was a target for two or three clubs to freshen up their managers and get the new one in so that they had a bit of time on the training ground. Uh, you know, Dean Smith at Norwich, um, Stephen Gerrard at Aston Villa. And it's just part of the managerial merry-go-round. Now... I think that we speak on this podcast for the vast majority of Leicester City supporters who will be very pleased hearing and reading that uh, comment from Brendan Rodgers this afternoon stating that he is fully committed to the to the project at Leicester City because you look at his success with this project so far and it's been absolutely fantastic uh, and yes we have hit a less successful patch or a less promising patch shall we say but we are I, th- I think I'm I'm quite proud really to be at a club where nobody's really considering the knee-jerk reaction of binning a manager off in November with the table still so tight with the fact that the defensive 
issues have come from injuries predominantly. And, you know, if there's anybody that you would trust to turn it around, I say, I say turn it around, it's not exactly hurtling completely in the wrong direction, but if there's anyone you trust to get it back on the 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 right track, it's Brendan Rodgers. So I, I think uh, hopefully this means that the speculation will go away a little bit. I think the reason that he spoke out about it as well was to make sure that it didn't start playing on anybody else's minds because, you know, a lot of the players will say, oh, yeah, we don't read the papers, we don't go on, on social media, whatever, but they will still see it. It will still be brought to their attention in some way or another. So everybody's on the same page. Brendan says he's not going to Manchester United, so we can just focus on an upturn in fortunes that is going to need to happen because there's 10 games between now and Christmas. What are we, the 18th of November already? Uh, and we've got 10 whole games to get in before Christmas with Brendan at the helm. Yeah, my my real theory, your theory, thoughts about Brendan is it was it was nice that he's, he's come out and said something. Now, what he said is nothing groundbreaking at all. The, the fact that he's committed to a football club where he's been for two and a half years is no great surprise. He said all the things that you'd expect him to say. Also, again, it's all speculation. Every manager is going to say what he said. Um, but then you do ask the question, well, what if it does happen? What happens if Oli is sacked by Manchester United and they come in for, for Brendan Rodgers? Now, we know what happened when he left Celtic. The Celtic fans, because he wasn't there for life... All of a sudden, he's a rat in a snake, which is completely bonkers. And players move on, as we've seen at Leicester over the years. Now, if Brendan Rodgers, and I've been asked this question directly, what happens if he then moves to Manchester United? Let's just say in the next fortnight, something happens at United, Oli goes, and they come in for Brendan Rodgers. He says yes, he goes to Manchester United, and he turns around and goes, look, hands in the air, sorry everyone, but it was too good an opportunity to turn down. I genuinely... Honestly, I'd stand there and go, well, what else could he have done? You know, you're being offered the chance to manage Manchester United. It's um, it, it doesn't happen hardly ever, you know, to to any manager really. So, uh, but then people will automatically say, yeah, but you said you're committed to the court. Well, of course he was at this current time. So things can change in the not too distant future. That being said, his position at Leicester is absolute for me. There's no question at all about any managerial change at Leicester. Uh, you can question his tactics. You can question the setup of the side and players in certain positions rather than other players. That's fine, but there's no question at all that Brendan Rodgers is at Leicester for the foreseeable future, unless there's a huge downturn in form and obviously then something might have to happen. Or... Again, he gets poached by a bigger club. That's just being the nature of, of the size of Leicester City and, more importantly, the size of where he would possibly go. So that's that's really it with Brendan. I think it's just an, it's, it's a no-brainer. That being said, you moved on to the 10 games that we've got up until Christmas, like you said, or up until the end of the year, I think. It's, um, it's extremely busy extremely busy and another line I've been trotting out regarding Leicester's start of the season is that they are in every single competition they are still in with a chance of European qualification in the Premier League we are still technically in with a chance of of a top four position if, if there is an obviously an upturn in form but you've got the League Cup 
you've got obviously the FA Cup to come, and we've got a what will be exciting finish to the group stage of the Europa League, and then possibility of Europa League, Europa Conference League, whatever else in the new year. So it's still all to play for. It's um, it's it's really exciting. And we have this game against Chelsea this weekend, which is, it is exciting, isn't it, Rob? But is there a, a, li- there's a little bit of trepidation when it comes to this game? It's not quite... Do you, do you remember the feeling going into the Arsenal game a few weeks ago where you're like, right, early game on a Saturday, get at Arsenal and we've got a good record against them, here we go. And then, of course, it all kind of went wrong until the second half and we just couldn't score because mainly because of their goalkeeper. This time around, do you have that same feeling? Because I'm going to put it out there, I don't. I I do worry about this game. Yeah, well, Chelsea look like an absolute machine at the moment, don't they? They they don't concede many goals at all. They've got arguably the most informed goalkeeper in the world between their sticks. And and we had uh, trouble getting past Aaron Ramsdale, didn't we? Who obviously put in an, an outrageously good performance, but... Uh, Edouard Mendy is is playing out of his skin at the minute and Chelsea are, you know, they, they've got a ridiculous squad depth, Chelsea. But when you also look at the, they've, they're missing a few players and the players that they've brought in are still performing really well. Look, Ch- Chalobah's come from from uh, the academy, really, not really in the first team picture. Um Alonso started the season at wing back and Chilwell's fought his way back to form um, and he's scoring a little bit, you know. He's he's getting forward a lot. It, it you know, even players like Ross Barkley and Ruben Loftus Cheek are performing well in this team. So that says something about the kind of positivity surrounding them at the moment, and and the belief that they've got, and the belief that they've had since Thomas Tuchel came in um, to replace Frank Lampard. They are a completely different animal, and they are going to take some stopping at the top of the Premier League. It's going to be a really good title race this season not that we'll be anywhere near it but I think part of the problem for Leicester is even if we were doing something like a a West Ham in terms of a start to the season I don't think there's any feasible way that we can keep pace with the the three big hitters in the Premier League this season it's going to be a fascinating battle between Chelsea Liverpool and Manchester City for the for the title and how many times this season already have people watched Liverpool and gone wow They've played teams off the park. They look incredible. Watch Manchester City in a few games and you think, well, they're pretty much unbeatable. They're going to be the title winners. And then you've got Chelsea that are just, you know, they seem to just sort of, I don't want to stereotype anything, but that usually means I'm going to stereotype something. They're playing with a real German efficiency, aren't they, with the manager in charge. They're just getting on with it. They're ruthless at both ends and you know I think the thing that that gave us a bit of a positive feeling before Arsenal was we'd had the recent result in in the previous kind of big fixture against Manchester United we'd proved that we can get at that kind of team um, that you know has the name has the reputation but the sort of modern the current version of that team is nowhere near as strong as, as those of yesteryear whereas Chelsea are arguably this is one of the strongest Chelsea squads and manager combinations that have existed in the Abramovich era if if you know they've got they've got a little bit of a way to go in terms of maintaining that over a longer period of time but this looks like one of the best Chelsea sides I've seen so 
do I hold out much hope for Saturday lunchtime? Not really, but, you know, Leicester are always full of surprises, aren't they? They might need to be, to be honest. Uh, We know that Tillemans is going to be out. It's going to be a huge loss. It might... Well, I say this. Whilst you were talking, I was trying to, in my mind, right, we haven't got Yuri Tillemans in midfield. But then again, which is always going to be a big loss. Then again, if you're playing against Chelsea, wouldn't it be best then if you have Ndidi and then you have uh, Sumare alongside him, whether that means that then, say, Madison comes in or, or whoever in, say, midfield away from Yuri Tillemans. But then again, maybe you play with... The, maybe you have another, say, defensive midfielder in there. And you say, look, here we go. This is our midfield three. Whether we play a back three or not, I doubt we will because of what happened in the first half against Arsenal. And then you look at what they've got out wide and the way that uh, James and, and Chilwell have been playing recently... It would be a big ask for Leicester to play three at the back, not the defensive side of things. It would be those wing-backs. Now, that might change depending on who is fit and what side, say, you will play Timothy Castagna. Maybe if Pereira can come in on the right and then Castagna on the left, then if that's the case, then I would I would maybe say three at the back would work. If you were to play a four, could you go a back four and then have that really solid midfield three? You have your Samari... You have your Ndidi, and maybe even you put in a Hamza Chowdhury and say, look, this is this is the engine room. This is where we're going to really get at Chelsea. And these three players who can cover an awful lot of ground and also break forward, maybe you would say to someone like Samare, look, you're the one who, of those three, can maybe help and support the, the, the forward line. But that could easily be an option. And then the forward three more than likely would kind of pick itself. Um, you have Barnes and then obviously Vardy and on the right maybe Lookman or, or or whichever combination you like. That could easily be an option, so you kind of have the best of both worlds. It's uh, an interesting... It will be an interesting to see the Leicester lineup. It always is. But for this game particularly, it really will be. Whether they bring Pereira back in. It's great to see back in training um, James Justin, who's got under-23 action, hopefully in his diary in the next couple of weeks. And it's still going to be a way off, but I'd imagine if he comes through those, it won't be long until he's on the bench and then gets back, uh, hopefully, in the first team and, and back to the form we know. And then, obviously, the next person is Wesley Fofana. Some strange transfer noise surrounding Wesley Fofana and, and and going to Real Madrid or whoever. It's uh, well, with, with, a, with a broken leg, as much as he's uh, back in uh, training with a football at his feet, it's great news, but... We'll wait and see. I think Favana is basically going to be linked for the every single week for the rest of his uh, his Leicester career. But there we go. We'll kind of gloss over that. So when it comes to this Chelsea game, I personally, after going through all those kind of different options, I would like him actually to go with a back four and to have who I said as wing backs as being Pereira and Castagna play them as 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 the full backs and say. To Chelsea, look, this is this is how we're going to do things at the back. This is the way that we're going to line up. We're going to line up in our in our four three three formation, but maybe just have that midfield packed, so we can get at all angles. If they're dominating on one side, then we can shift one of those over to that side to help out. Same as going forward, maybe have Samare breaking forward, and then if needed, we can. And if we're really under the cosh, 
then we can push one or two of them further back. Maybe indeed he can really drop back almost to make it into alongside the centre half. So th there's plenty of options there, but that's the way I would go. What? How would you? How would you go about things, Rob? And and, and how do you think Leicester will go about things in terms of the team selected? against this Chelsea side because again they don't have the one important factor is that they don't have Lukaku if they had Lukaku it would be different I would go straight back three and the rest of the side would kind of then pick itself the fact that they don't have him and Guy Havertz up front is a completely different forward and I'm not gonna he's not quite a false nine but he he Certainly, he's more than Lukaku, definitely, who's an out-and-out number nine. But because of that, I don't. I think Leicester can go with a four. Yeah, I can completely see your point. I was just uh, checking while you were talking there uh, if we've got any closer to an update on uh, Lukaku and Werner's fitness. Apparently, they're both back in training, and Tuchel's going to confirm more tomorrow. We're recording this Thursday evening. Thomas Tuchel's press conference is Friday, but you know, even if one or both of them are back you don't you don't think it's going to be likely that they're going to be fully up to speed or and or capable of playing 90 minutes yeah if Lukaku starts through the middle then you would absolutely want as many centre-backs as you could to try and deal with him uh, and I think there's also merit in three at the back because you know you could say to the players get in there match up man for man against Chelsea in terms of their shape and Leicester's shape and win your individual battles, at least in that sense, if you try and match up that way, you you know it's highly unlikely that there are going to be unforeseen gaps, I guess, and unforeseen overloads, as such as you were talking there, um, down particularly down one side of the pitch, depending on where their, their midfield and forwards tend to sort of gravitate. Um, you can say match it up, and, that, and that's... Kind of similar to how Leicester played against Leeds. All right, the the personnel in terms of the shape of the formation wasn't exactly the same, but Brendan Rodgers said afterwards, and Harvey Barnes said exactly the same thing, we were challenged to match their running power, to match their willingness to get back, but also to match their, their drive to sort of break the lines. And it wasn't the most exciting game of football against Leeds, but... It, it proved that Leicester were able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with one of the most energetic sides in the, in the Premier League, say what you like about their form and their current position in the table. So there could be an argument for going man-for-man -man against Chelsea and saying, look, in, in areas they've got better players than us, but I would say in areas we are equally strong. So you go and win your individual battle and we've got a chance there of, of coming out on top. The the only thing that makes me question that is exactly what you've mentioned there. It's, it's their kind of lack of forward that's going to be playing on the shoulder or right up in the in the centre back's face. Havertz, you would you would say if you were, if you had to give him a position, you'd say he's an attacking midfielder rather than a striker. Hudson Odoi's been been playing up there. Uh, I think Pulisic is is probably back um, to to be able to play some kind of part. None of them are strikers, are they? They're, they're forwards or they're attackers. They're not actual strikers. So you would worry then that if you do play three at the back and play three centre-backs, it's going to be a little bit debilitating in the sense that a couple of them are going to be unoccupied quite a lot of the time. And then if you're trying to play some football or make something happen against Chelsea, 
you got three big six foot plus centre backs on on the pitch who are reasonably tidy with their feet, but they're not going to be the ones to unpick anything. So then you would you would argue that a back four would be better, especially with sort of progressive full backs like Castagna and and Ricardo, and, and you'd think that'd give Leicester more going forward. So I, I think obviously Brendan Rodgers will have a, a game plan in mind, but it might also hinge a little bit on the fitness update for Werner and, and Lukaku on Friday. Because you've got to say, if if they're playing like three central midfielders, Chelsea, which is kind of what they've done, or at least two and a number 10, and, and then they've got a couple of, uh, one or two forwards who are also kind of dropping a little bit deeper, it's going to be very fluid in there. So if Leicester play three central midfielders, let's say, and Didi and Samari to both kind of sit a little bit deeper and then play Madison at the point of a little triangle, kind of like a number 10, I guess, then you would hope that Leicester have enough about them to to sort of deal with the runners there um, and make sure that, like just like they did against Leeds, they match up and if anybody threatens to go beyond the, the, the midfield line, they have to go with them and they know that. Whereas if they've got three centre-backs behind them, there's, I think there's a tendency sometimes to think, well, there's somebody else back there to deal with that. And they don't always match the runs. So, to be honest with you, I've probably just talked for about three or four minutes there and I'm absolutely no closer to deciding which way Leicester should go. The one player you mentioned there, Madison, with with the way I would go about things, and, and, and a couple of players you kind of mentioned and the way that they, they kind of sit at Chelsea. So, um, got Jorginho and also um, Kovacic, they can, they can really sit deep. And then you have those, those forward players all those attacking midfielders and obviously the wide players, so Hudson-Odoi, for example, and then maybe Werner, if he uh, peels off wide, Havertz can do the same. And, of course, the wing-backs. You you do have, not a bit of a gap, but you do have those those players who can sit. Kante, obviously, as well for for, for Chelsea. So if, if Leicester do go with that kind of midfield triangle like they like they like to do so you have the two defensive and then say a Madison or it probably would have been Yuri Tillemans that that would be an issue for me because I think then if Leicester sit back or have to sit back because Chelsea would have more of the ball you have the disruptors in midfield and then once they have the ball their instinct then would be to pick out that number 10 that that James Madison but he instantly would be marshaled by those sitting players and I don't think that will work against Chelsea. I, I'm more in the, the the kind of have the disruptors in midfield, the three to win the ball back and really counter-attack. It has to be counter-attack against Chelsea. So if their wing-backs are high up, you've got two wide players and then you've got Jamie Vardy. So Barnes, say one side, look on the other side and, and Vardy. So once you get the ball, it's one of those three. So it can be down the sides. Okay, and then you got Vardy in the centre. So yes, there will be a a big gap between the Leicester midfield and then the forward lines, but you're looking to exploit the gap left by those pushing up at wing back, Chilwell, etc., and, and James. And then we've got our wide players. They might be slightly more central, and then they can push out wide once we get the ball to you know obviously then receive the ball because if they're central, they're going to be quite well marshaled. So they can then push out wide receive the ball, do their stuff, counter-attack, and that's how I can see Leicester getting into the game during open play against Chelsea, rather than having that number 10, who I just think if Leicester are camped in their own penalty box or just outside, you can see maybe 
Hamza Chowdhury going to foot in or intercepting the ball, looking up, and then as much as Madison might try and find space, he's marshaled well by the two City midfielders just going, well, we're just going to sit here and marshal him because he's their outlay. And then they're going to maybe have to go long. I don't think that will work. So I think it's going to have to be those three City midfielders and then Leicester look to break counter-attack football, which we know Leicester can excel at. It's uh, it's going to be very difficult. I'm a big, um, big fan of Chelsea, but I'm a big fan of what they're doing there. They've got a really good squad. And I like, even though through injuries, they've had to bring these players through. As you said, your Hudson Adoys, who you might not have thought would get a, a full look in this season, who might be looking elsewhere. He's been in brilliant form, scoring plenty of goals. Uh, ben Chilwell was interviewed a few weeks ago, and along with lots of players who played for England in the summer, took a quite a while to get going this season. But he was, he's now flying in the Premier League, and uh, and, and other players as well. You, you said um, Chabler, and and also there's uh, Barkley's come on a, a occasionally as well. They've got, got a huge squad. Um, I don't know they've had one or two blips not every team is going to win every single game but uh, it's going to be incredibly difficult um, I, I just think they're they're very strong but if, if Leicester can just soak the I mean at the end of the day Johnny Evans was exceptional against uh, Italy and I'm looking at a, a similar performance here and uh, and we know Leicester can break we know Leicester can counter-attack and it wouldn't be a massive shock if they get the points against Chelsea it's going to be extremely difficult and um and and it's not a game where, even though we are, what did you say, ten games into the season, we got or got ten games before now, and what at the end of the year, so Chelsea at home, Legia Warsaw on Thursday, uh, and then we're home against uh, Ranieri Watford on the Sunday, away to Southampton on the Wednesday, and then on the fifth, so that's Villa away, and then Napoli, so it's it's thick and fast, Newcastle after that, um. I can see Leicester getting a point here. Um, I I can't see Chelsea not scoring. I can't see it. Which is, if I scroll back, um, clean sheet. No, 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 no. Isn't it the first, first game of the Premier League season was the last time Leicester kept a clean sheet against Wolves? Hang on. No, 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 no. Millwall in the third round of the League Cup. Oh, that doesn't count. No, 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 no. Wolves, you are right. Rob Hayes, one point. Um, I, I'm a big fan of clean sheets. I'm, a, I'm an amateur centre-back and clean sheets are hard to come by. So anyone I cling on to desperately, I'd love a clean sheet on Saturday. It's not going to happen though, is it? If Burnley managed to draw 1-1 with Chelsea, surely we can manage it. Well, I was going to say one-one. That was going to be my pick. You can't, you can't say a scoreline with Chelsea nil in it. You can't go nil-nil would be great. Would be a really good point, even if it's just back to the wall stuff. Get a point, and then you have got some good fixtures in the Premier League. No problem. Any Leicester fan will take a point, I'm sure. But I don't think anyone's going to go for Chelsea nil. So I'm going to go for one-one, and um, and yeah, and 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 Hams are the start. Hamza to start in midfield. That's gonna so yeah, one one, Hamza to start. I'll go I'm gonna join you with the with the one one. Um if if you look at it logically, you would never you'd never really bet against Chelsea scoring, but you'd probably also not bet against a Chelsea clean sheet. So if if you're being completely pragmatic about it, you'd say Chelsea one nil. But 
we're, this is a Leicester podcast and we're Leicester fans and I don't think we've ever predicted Leicester to lose and that's not about to change. So I'm going 1-1 as well. And then, of course, Legia Warsaw in the uh, in the Europa League at King Power on Thursday and, and all the connotations in the group and what could happen. It's, it's difficult because winning the group is the obvious thing. You win the group, you're through to the last 16 of the Europa League. If you finish second in the group, you go through to the last 32 of the Europa League. And then you play one of the teams dropping down from the Champions League. So it's going to be a difficult game, but you're in the Europa League. Or you finish third and you drop down into the Europa Europa Conference League. So finish fourth bottom. You don't do anything. You're out. It's If you have the choice, Rob, right now, I'm offering you second or third place. I'm offering you a last 32 tie of the Europa League against a third place team in the Champions League or I'm offering you the chance in the Europa Conference League which Leicester would be arguably one of the favourites for. Second place all day long. I, I don't I, you know I, I don't really think that this Europa Conference League is is anything of note really to be honest with you and I think from last season, Leicester have got some unfinished business in the Europa League because we um, kind of rightly, I, I think, expected Leicester to go deep into the competition and, and have a decent chance at winning it, looking at all the other teams in it. So I do not want to drop out of the Europa League because I, I genuinely feel that if we ended up in that conference league that it would just be uh, extra fixtures that were not really necessary for for anything you know you'd get in the history books of being the first if you if you won it obviously you'd get in the history books of being the first winners of this inaugural european competition but it's it's third choice it's it's the third tier of european football so absolutely second place uh, well obviously i still want to finish top and and I, and I still think we've got a very good chance of doing so but if it's uh, if it has to be second place and we've got to win another uh, another knockout tie to get through into into the last 16 of the Europa League, then absolutely fine. I'd like us to give it another good go, a much better go than the the kind of whimper that we went out with last year. I'm hoping you're going to say the same. I'm hoping you th- also think the Conference League is a Mickey Mouse League. I I do. I think the Conference League is a abomination. It shouldn't. Why they haven't called it the Cup Winners Cup or bring back that trophy? The Cup Winners Cup was a a really good tournament. And it really meant something. And then, obviously, they've done away with it. And and then they've dreamt this. I, I have no idea why this exists in the first place. That's the first thing. I have no idea why the Europa Conference League exists. It's, it's crazy. But, <laughs> and it's a big but, I... When the Europa League was reformed, when, again, why they why they got rid of the name UEFA Cup, I've no idea. It, it had that, you know, Thursday night, Channel 5, all that sort of thing. I think that's gone now. I think the Europa League has its place. Sides like Manchester United getting to finals, uh, Chelsea winning and other teams winning. it. I think it, it, it means something now. If you win the Europa League, that is a, a, a major, major competition now. Uh, and I think that's probably in the last, say, three or four seasons, it's really started to est- properly establish itself. And you get Champions League football. But, I'll go back to that big but again. 
I think Leicester, if you ask me now, I think it's quite close in my in my eye between the two. I, second place means you're in the last 32. So you're miles off getting towards any stage where you're thinking, do you know what, we could win this thing. You're playing against the Champions League side, who granted finished third, but there could be some monster teams dropping down. Even if you beat them, then you're in the last 16 and you still got quite far to go. I, because I think Leicester will hopefully still be in competitions in domestically, maybe in the last, hopefully the semi-finals of the League Cup and then obviously you've got the FA Cup, I I wouldn't rule out the Europa League, uh, the um, Europa Conference League, because you could then end up playing against sides who are of a substandard to what we've seen in the Europa League. And the problem we had last year, amongst obviously injury problems, but at that time, if you remember, we had FA Cup matches, league matches, and then you had the Europa League. And it's not that Leicester threw the towel in at all, but they had to choose a weakened side in the Europa League because of where they were in the Premier League and also in the FA Cup as well. Now, fortunately, obviously, they went on to win the FA Cup. It didn't quite happen in the league. So losing in the Europa League last year, you can look back and go, yes, it was disappointing. I think Prague showed themselves actually to be a very good side for what they've gone on to do the last season and, and also at the start of this year. They've actually, I think they're a better side than many of us, especially me, thought that they actually were. But you look back on that now and you go, it doesn't. It was disappointing at the time, but looking back, didn't really matter because what we did, we got through in the FA Cup and then we ended up winning the thing. So this year, if it does work out where you're asking me 32 of the Europa League or the Conference League, I can look at that and go, well, if that means that we've got a better chance of fielding a, a stronger side in cup competitions, it might be the better option. And also, you've got to look at where Leicester are in the league. So if qualifying for Europe via the league is looking like it's going to be an awful, at the moment it is, it's looking um, unlikely through the league and it's going to be a lot more difficult than last year just because of the position we're in. It could be, A, an easier option, easier way to get into Europe. But also, looking at these fixtures, it's not going to be too long until we're in the new year. And then you'll be half looking at the fixtures going, if we are where we are in the league, if Leicester find themselves in January in 10th place, for example, so halfway in the league, it might get to the stage where Leicester might start prioritising the cup competitions over the league. You're not going to go down. You're not going to go and finish fourth. So what we're going to do, we're actually going to prioritise these cup competitions, hopefully the League Cup, FA Cup, and we could be in the Europa League going... Uh, we could be in the the, the um, Europa Conference League going, tell you what, we're going to put a really strong team out against whoever and we're going to give it a really good go. And you never know, you finish the season, 10th place in the Premier League, disappointing. Guess what? We've gone and won the Europa Conference League who in years to come might turn into a an established competition, a bit like the Europa League now, but also it means that we've qualified for Europe and more silverware. So I wouldn't rule it out. I'm not saying that's exactly what I'd want, because you do have the option of winning the group still, as you said. But I would not rule it out in the slightest, purely because of how people look at the Europa League now and also where we are in the league. And it might be, 
our only route into Europe. And when you get to the semi-final stage, everyone can poo-poo the competition as much as they like, including me, including everyone, and we all do, and we all will. But I'll tell you what, if you're a fan of a club in that competition and you get to the semi-final stage, you're not going to be poo-pooing it anymore, are you? Do you know what I mean? You're going to be really going, hang on, we want to win this now. It's Have an I changed your mind? It's an interesting point of view. You have absolutely not changed my mind at <laughs> all to the point where I'm sitting here thinking I would rather finish anywhere in this group than third. I genuinely oh, would never, rather never finish in fourth. Years. Never in a million, no way. Absolutely would rather finish fourth and have then have Thursday nights off and focus all of our attention on competitions that actually matter. I, that's, I genuinely, that's a good option, that's alright. Yeah, I, that's, that, I genuinely think that there would be very little point in playing all of those conference league games if you were fortunate enough to scrape through against, I don't know, Ukraine's third division's fourth place finishers or whatever teams are playing in that competition. Uh, I would rather finish fourth, exit Europe, get the league season properly back on track, have a good go at the domestic cups, which have actually established and actually have a history. Uh, even, you know, the League Cup is our, is the third most important trophy in, in English domestic football, yet it still holds quite a lot of importance. I take your point about the, the Europa League up until probably a few years ago being considered a sort of... Um, poorer kind of the runt of the litter really of uh, in comparison to the Champions League but I, I think what I think the rebranding might have helped in some ways I also think the kind of the increased coverage um, broadcasters are paying it more attention there are always British teams in it to keep an eye on you, you very often get some kind of not fallen giant as such, but several big European names in the competition as well. So it has increased in its standing. I can't see the Conference League going the same way and I really can't see there being a huge amount of point to Leicester City exerting any energy on on that competition when you think that, they, it, that it could free up quite a few midweeks after Christmas if Leicester were to finish fourth. My ideal scenario, and I'm sure it's no, no surprise, is Leicester win the last two group games, they finish top of the group, and they enter the Europa League knockouts at the last 16 stage and have a really good go at going deep into the competition. That's the ideal scenario. Second place, okay. My next best choice is fourth place. I've got to be honest, the conference, the conference league can, can do one. Yeah, where are we in the group? So we're third place in the group, five points, Legia in second on six, and then Napoli top on seven. Sparta Moscow fourth on four. <laughs> so it's incredibly well positioned if you're a neutral. Um, now, it's it's not forgiven that Napoli will beat Moscow. Certainly not in, in the next round of games. Uh, at all, really. So, when it comes to... Uh, I'm just trying to find, actually, the game. They're away in Moscow as well. So, they're away in Moscow. Uh, that's not forgiven. So, but we'll take it that Napoli will. And if they do, then Leicester need to beat Ledger. There's no way, <laughs> there's no way shape, or form to get away with it. Because we don't want it to come down to the last game where the Leicester then need to win to actually then finish second. 
you still need that option of maybe Ledger slipping up against Moscow. So Leicester against Ledger at the King Power, Leicester win, Leicester on eight points. Okay. Uh, depending on what happens with Spartak and Napoli, again, take for granted that Napoli say win that game, then Napoli top on 10, Leicester on eight, two points clear of Ledger. Then obviously in the final game, it all comes down to that. So if Leicester win on Thursday, what I'm saying is that there is still a huge chance of us finishing in third place. There's the option of second, and then you can still win the group by beating Napoli and Napoli, regardless of what they do next week. So it's completely wide open. It really is. And I think most people, looking back at that ledger game, it's such a strange game, wasn't it? It was... It, 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 I, I suppose, really, you could, as I mentioned at the start of the uh, of the episode, the way I've been looking at Leicester's season from an international point of view was the Harvey Barnes, James Madison kind of analogy that they're not nowhere near the England squad because of the poor performances for Leicester, or relatively poor performances. I suppose when you look at Leicester as a whole this season, you can maybe throw in that away performance to Ledger and say, there you go. That's that's a reason why we're not uh, where we possibly should be in the Premier League. Uh, we're failing to take chances, um, slipping up unnecessarily. You know, conceding sloppy goals, not being I say not being as clinical, but um, chance creation is is poor um, because obviously Vardy scored a fair amount of goals and and Dak has done well when when he's come on and played etc. I won't say we've, you know, it's been like glaring misses left, right, and centre. But you could just throw that game in and say, there's our there's our season in a nutshell, really. Well, let's hope that winning against Warsaw gets us right back on track. It'd certainly make it very interesting for the for the top of the group to go down to the last uh, to the last game, wouldn't it? Um, you know, Napoli. I think most people thought would be the team to to battle at the top with but if you look at it and they, and they beat Moscow in uh, next week they'll be on 10 let's say Leicester and, and Warsaw draw then Leicester can't finish top because they'll be on 6 4 points behind Napoli uh, and Warsaw would have to have a serious goal difference swing so it is really a <laughs> I say you say a must-win game. It's not. It's not exactly a must-win game because you know there's different things that could still still work out. But Leicester, a, a win and a good solid win would make Napoli have to think about things for the for the last game of the group stage. Even if they did beat Moscow, it would give Leicester the confidence to say, you know what, we're going to Naples in a one-game shootout for the top of the group to get into the, the last 16 of the Europa League. And, and it's, it comes back to kind of what you were saying about the the England internationals, really. The amount of jeopardy on the game really does affect, in many ways, how, how we as supporters approach it and, and a lot of the time how, how the players and, and the teams approach it. So it would be really nice. It would be very entertaining for Leicester to go to Naples knowing that if they win they will finish top of the group. That that that's the kind of they're the kind of games that you want to be involved in Europe for. Napoli, well known, the good sort of very well established club, 
you know, uh, they, they're one of the biggest names in the Europa League. So why wouldn't you want to go and test yourself and say, look, we go here, we beat you, we take top of the group. That That's exactly the kind of game you want to be in the Europa League for. Yeah, and also if you look at the, the, the fixtures after that as well, you play Legia Warsaw at home, then you roll on to Watford on the Sunday at home. So the third game in the space of eight days at the King Power. Followed by Southampton away, followed by Villa away, who we know would have changed their manager, but still fairly low down in the Premier League. Three decent set of fixtures. What you don't want is, regardless of what happens against Chelsea, you don't want Leicester to then slip up against Ledger at the King Power. And then, by the time they get to the game against Watford, you've got huge question marks over whether, because if let's just, just say Leicester lose against Ledger Warsaw, Massive, even draw, massive question marks of whether they'll finish actually fourth in that group. They could easily finish fourth. And that would be a huge blow, regardless of how we view the Europa Conference League, etc. That would be a massive blow to the football club and to the players and, and to the supporters as well. I think that would really start to chip away at the goodwill that's been built up over the years, etc. That would really be a, 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 a real damaging outcome. Now, obviously, that would be after the Napoli game, which is then at the start of December, and who knows what can happen in the Premier League before then. Let's say Leicester win three games on the bounce, drop out of the Europa League, but if they get a, if they get something against Chelsea and then win three games on the bounce in the Premier League, you know, maybe it might not be so uh, so bad, but that's really quite far-fetched by the way they're playing at the moment. So... It's a very, very important game. As much as we can always debate about where we want to finish in the group, it's a crucial game. And then we have, of course, Watford. Whether Obviously, next week we'll probably do a podcast as well, uh, or at least we'll aim to do a podcast um, before Legia Warsaw, or maybe even after Legia Warsaw on the Friday, because obviously the game's on a Sunday against Watford. And then we have the game against Southampton on a Wednesday, so we could do like a double kind of preview. But just to kind of half edge towards that game, the the narrative is made because it's Ranieri. Ranieri coming back to, to Leicester. So that's going to be fantastic. To see Claudio at the, at the King Power as a manager of Watford, doesn't matter, who cares. But that's going to be really good. It's going to be, uh, of course, very emotional. Everything always is with Claudio. But it's a very eminently winnable game against a, a, a relatively poor side. I I don't think the appointment of Claudio Ranieri is a, it's it's a roll of the duck. Put it this way, Watford can change their manager as, as much as they as much as every other month and it, it wouldn't be any shock. Uh, if you ask me right now, I can't see him less than last in the season there. Um I think really what they wanted was just a bit of a bounce for a season and him to hopefully keep them up. I don't think there's any long term plans there whatsoever. I'm I'm just surprised. I I think really they they got rid of their man, thinking, hang on, we now need another manager. Claudio's there. We'll get Claudio as a bit of a stopgap, and even if they're doing well, even maybe in maybe even before January, and maybe they pick up a few results, and who knows? Halfway through January, they're hovering around obviously the relegation zone, but they're doing. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Do you know what? A new manager will get a new manager in because they find someone they actually want, uh, kind of a long-term appointment. I wouldn't be shocked if that's the case. But anyway, he's there as manager, and it's a game Leicester need to win. If they've got any kind of aspirations of doing anything in the Premier League, home against Watford, 
is a game that they should be looking to win. You follow that with a game away at Southampton, who even though they've had a bit of an upturn in form and they've become a bit more solid, that's still another game where, obviously we've got a good record at Southampton, we know that one game for example, but that's another game where you look and go, three points there, Leicester can get three points easily against Southampton away. Villa is a bit difficult, obviously, after that. But those two games in the Premier League, you should really be looking, as we look forward to them, for six points from those two games. At least six. But, well, you never turn down a point away from home in the Premier League, but I'd be looking at six. Just touching on Watford, did you just mention the word long-term and manager and Watford <laughs> all in the same sentence. You must, you must be able to have... Claudio Ranieri's got to be the most long-term manager they've had. He's only been there a few weeks. Well, if, um, you, look at, if, you, look at, say, if you look at, say, Villa, Villa have changed their manager, but they've had a downturn in form. Uh, it's not going quite well. Ple- I, I know quite a few Villa fans, and uh, virtually 100% of them were saying, right, don't change the manager. There's been issues with the squad... The, all the, the new signings pretty much, A, haven't worked out, but B, haven't really played together. I think there was a 36 minutes or 31 minutes was the stats where they haven't played, where the, all the new signings have played this season in the, at the same time. And I know they've obviously had a downturn in form, but no one wanted uh, the manager to go. But the owners have gone, right, we'll make the choice now because of all the stuff that you said, again, the bang on time for it because you can get used to the squad and then you've got January but also you've got the, the international break the guy that they wanted they've obviously got they were like, right we're going to go for Gerard. Or, or I think they probably knew they were going to get Gerard anyway sat the manager got Gerard. but I think with, with Watford I don't think they'll wait for any downturn in form with Claudio even if they even if he won a couple of games on the bounce as soon as there's a manager available if there's their version of Gerard becomes available somewhere I think they could just pull the trigger and just go, right, thanks, Claudio. Here's two or three million quid, but this is the guy we want. And everyone just go, yep, yeah, that's that's Watford, that's fine. Oh, they'll have absolutely no hesitation to do that, will they? But it will be uh, nice to see him return to the King Power and he will absolutely get one of the most raucous receptions that any body ever returning to Leicester City could get just because of what he managed to achieve in his in his time at the club. Uh, in, in Talking about those Premier League fixtures that are to come for Leicester after the Europa League game, you know, if, if we go for our prediction of the, the hard-fought draw against Chelsea, I, I think that could be a nice springboard for Leicester to go and beat Warsaw and be in with a chance of winning their, the Europa League group. And then all of a sudden, you know, the swagger that's kind of been in, returning in flashes over the last few weeks would then you would be able to show that off against teams like Watford and Southampton. I think um, if 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 it's a disappointing kind of dull, damp game against Chelsea where Leicester never really looked like they're going to get anything out of it, and then they often they puff against uh, Warsaw, then those games against Watford and Southampton have a slightly different complexion. You know, the Leicester players are in a slightly different mood. The supporters are certainly in a different kind of mood. So that it really it all begins on Saturday lunchtime against Chelsea uh, to provide this the springboard really to kickstart this run of weekend midweek fixtures that run for the next ten games, um, and 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 give give us a positive start to that to enable the Leicester players to believe that they can beat Watford and Southampton because you, you look at it man for man 
you have supporters talking to each other from the different clubs. Everybody else would say Leicester are absolute shoe-ins to beat Watford and, and Southampton. But the players have got to believe that when they step onto the pitch on, on in those games. So positive results and performances as well against Chelsea and Warsaw should provide the platform for that. And that's what we're predicting. And we're always right on the podcast. So we're going to batter Watford and batter Southampton. And do Claudio a favour and actually get him sacked so he doesn't have to suffer as being the Watford manager any longer than about three or four games. Yeah, fingers crossed that's the case. Uh, just to touch on one or two other things, um, Leicester City women won a game of football. It's it's not quite gone for them this season in the WSL. They've, they've, they really have struggled. Once again, cup competitions, coming to uh, the four in cup competitions, have had a, a, a really good run of things in the in the FA Cup and the Conti Cup in the last few years. The Conti Cup, Continental Tires Cup, so it's going to be the, the League Cup, for example. Uh, and they won uh, away at Durham. Uh, by two goals to one, first win of the season. Now, yes, it's in a group stage of a of a League Cup scenario, but hopefully that gives them a, a bit of a springboard because the WSL, and as you know, and many people know, obviously I work with with Arsenal in the in the WSL. It's such a strong league this year. The standard has just gone up considerably compared to last year, even. And it's it's quite a, a well worn tale of all oh, women's football is getting better and better and better. It is. It just is. And the days of um, huge score lines in WSL may be coming to an end because the top four or five clubs and then the rest are rubbish. That's becoming less and less and less. That's not the case anymore. There's still teams in that league who will get turned over heavily. Leicester being one of them. On occasion, but it's again they're becoming less and less and less, and Leicester have struggled. Now they haven't really been turned over as much this season. That they've lost plenty of games because again yet to win. But they've gone down by a goal to nil, two goals to nil, three one, two one, and they've been very unlucky in certain games. They were, I thought, nailed on for a point at, at Brighton last week, and that was a a real disappointing result away at Brighton. But they got that win, and hopefully they can then push on. On Sunday, uh, the 21st, they've got a home uh, match against Everton. First of all, the attendances at the King Power have really kept up as well. Been, I've not yet been able to get down there, purely because of the matchup with, with Arsenal games. It really hasn't worked out, because um, they're in every single competition going. It's it's ridiculous, really. Uh, then they've got another... Um, the WSL Cup game against Manchester United. Then they got away to Arsenal on the 12th of December. Um, so that's going to be a really tough game. Plus, that is the Sunday, the 12th of December, Rob. And I might, it's an evening game. It's been pushed back to the evening, which is a, a really good thing for me because I might need a few hours in the morning just to, to get over the night before. And um, and then, but this is where I was getting at, the, the fixtures then turn around a bit later than Leicester's men's team. So you're talking kind of mid to late December, Birmingham at home, Reading away, Brighton at home, Villa at home, Birmingham away, West Ham at home. Then you've got Manchester United away, but that's a run of fixtures there. That's Leicester's season. So when it comes to the women's side, if you've looked at the, the way that they're playing or, or maybe you've looked at the fixtures and gone, right, they're rubbish, I won't bother. Bear that in mind. So from... Mid-December onwards, after they play Arsenal in the league and then in the cup against Man City at home, big games, 
more than likely to lose, let's just be honest, and probably heavily, especially away at Arsenal. They then have that really good run of fixtures. That is when Leicester will need everyone there. And that's when I'm planned to get to the King Power and try and watch them because that's the season. And if they can pick up wins in those games, I mean, looking at the three home games, eminently winnable. Um, so don't give up on the women's side. I know at the moment you look at the league and you go, lost every game. Rubbish. Not the case. Not the case. They've had a really tough run of fixtures, but they've got that real patch of games. A good six or seven on the bounce. So, uh, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom when it comes to the women's side. Well, it was always it was always going to be tough for them, wasn't it? Because, you know, Leicester City's women's team have, in terms of the standard and the level that they've been playing at, have, have gone have gone up exponentially you know it's been a very rapid rise to this point to the WSL and then when you add in the fact that there are more and more of the world's best players coming into the WSL every year you know you look at someone like Sam Kerr's just signed a new deal it, it the quality in that division is better than ever so for Leicester to arrive on the scene as complete newbies having only just kind of been able to establish the professional setup of if you know having Beaver Drive and and having um, more kind of international footballers and more experienced at that kind of level coming into the squad. There was a huge uh, kind of turnaround in personnel uh, in the summer as well as 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 there needed to be to prepare for the the rigors of the WSL. So it, it was always going to be one of those seasons where they really needed to find their feet, and that run of fixtures in December gives them an opportunity, much like we were just saying about the men's team in terms of picking up results against Warsaw, then Watford, then Southampton. It kind of snowballs, doesn't it? And you, and you remember how to win again and you start stringing together uh, three or four positive results on the bounce. That's exactly the opportunity that the that Leicester City women have got. And really, you've got to say that the sole aim of this season will be to try and stay in the WSL. And if you win three or four games on the spin in December to give you a really good kind of push of momentum to go into the new new calendar year, you're going to give yourself every chance of staying in the WSL and then you go into that a year wiser and you have another transfer window or two to, to draft in a few more players to supplement the squad that you've got and in theory, the next season isn't quite so difficult. Well, you, you mentioned a few players there, it's that's the key thing with Leicester for me. If they can stay in this league, if they can stay in the WSL, who knows what could happen in the postseason? Because the the way that Leicester have approached this is fantastic with the King Power, with Beaver Drug, brilliant. But that happened relatively late for players around the world and also in the WSL to then move to Leicester. If Leicester establish themselves in the league just by staying up. I mean, if they stay up on the last day of the season with an own goal in injury time and that makes them stay up by one goal on goal difference, I'll take that right now. <laughs> I'll take that right now, regardless of the runs of fixtures or whatever. Because the noise surrounding Leicester in the WSL is incredible because of the facilities and because of what's what's being given to the, the, the women's team. And... Arsenal have got such a huge squad of quality players. I mean, you mentioned players coming into the league. I know names that people might not have heard of, but Tobin Heath plays for Arsenal. And she's an incredible footballer. 
and is alongside Viviana Miedemar, who I think is the best centre forward in world football. And it they've also got Caitlin Ford from Australia as well as a forward. I mean, that's an unbelievable forward line, absolutely crazy. But then their summer signing was Nikita Paris from Lyon, who scores a million goals a season. Now, these players, as much as they're being banded around at Arsenal and they change their team week in, week out because they play six times a week because they're in every single competition going. Sides like Leicester, staying up in the WSL, because of the financial power as well, they could easily pick off one or two players here. And if that's the case, and they will obviously be a a huge fish in a relatively small pond, and that's just players-wise, but that will be a really important thing for Leicester. If they can stay up and then get a real figurehead to the club... Bit like say Cambiasso when he turned up at Leicester, it was like, hang on, hang on, Esteban Cambiasso, it, it was, or even when Mancini was there, but someone from maybe outside of the WSL, more than likely outside of the WSL, and it could be someone in there, maybe in their thirties, for you know a bit of a last hurrah, but still, obviously, can play to a very very high level. But that will be very important because that figurehead in the women's game. It's put it this way. I think it's more than the men's. It, it makes more of a difference on the pitch and off the pitch, and that is the exciting thing for Leicester City women for me. If they can just stay up, what will they do in the postseason? Because if a side like Leicester come in for a player now and say, "Right, we want you to lead the line," and they can pay them obviously a lot of money. And they'll look at the facility and go, why would I go to Leicester? Now they know they're going to be playing at the King Power. Now they know that they're at Beaver Drive. It's it's really, really exciting. But they need to stay up. And, uh, and fingers crossed that they do. 